thank you so much for all the things that you're doing in our midst. I want to thank you, Lord God, that, uh, that you're allowing me to be me. Lord God, that you're allowing me to uh, preach your word in a way that is uniquely me, not like anyone else, Father. Uh, so, Father, I just want to thank you so much uh, that you have called me uh, to a unique church. There is no other church like the Church of Chicago on the face of the earth. The Church of Chicago has its own spiritual fingerprint. So we want to thank you, Lord God, uh, how you speak to us from heaven, that you speak to our issues, that you speak to things that we need to know, that we must know, that are necessary uh, to live this life. And now we ask you, Lord God, that you would just come and uh, connect with us yet again deeply as we talk about uh, this life of faith and work and what it means for us, Lord. Help us again to keep our minds open and ready to receive all that you have in store for us today. We thank you, and we ask you these things in Christ's name. Amen. Well, how do we view work? Do we view work as a calling and a joy? Or do we only view it as a necessary evil? I, I go to work because... Undoubtedly, at one point or another... We all struggle with these questions as we wake up every morning before dragging ourselves off to work. Uh, but honestly, I shouldn't be too general because some of you, you actually get it. Uh, you understand the place of work in your life of faith. You get it and you understand it and have understood this for a while and for you. We thank the Lord for you. You are an asset to the kingdom of God. But for the average person, work is something, face it, we do for a paycheck. With the hopes that all of our bills would get paid one day so we can do what? Sit back and relax and enjoy ourselves. Now, talking to a friend of mine a few weeks ago, uh, he was talking about his mother, uh, and, uh, but anyway, and, and her, I think she was uh, uh, either ill, she was really, really ill and on the uh, edge of passing away. But anyway, he, he told me this. He says, you know what, you know what, I hope that when I pass away, I hope that I owe a lot of money on all my bills. Right? When I die, I hope I owe all those companies as much money as I can. Because when I die, I want to stick it to them all. And you know what? It ain't nothing they can do. While this is not the best process for believers, amen, if you are believers, that should not be your conversation or coming out of your mouth, amen? But yet, we understand it, don't we? We understand it because we have the frustration of knowing that sometimes that when we put our money in, 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 in their institution, they give us half a percentage point. But yet, when we want to borrow they, their money, 
they want to charge us 12 and 14 percent. Some of you say, I wish I would have 12, 14 percent. Or for some of you, maybe 24 percent. So we work in order to pay bills, take vacations, and shop for the latest gadgets, right? And, 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 and here's the kicker, and also to retire. Think about that for a moment. Does that even make sense? That as a kid, you can't wait till you get old enough to get a job so you can start shopping and buying stuff, and then eventually you get old enough, you realize you need to start saving money for retirement so you can stop working. To do what? You're going to retire so you can stop working, so you can ultimately do what? Sit back and relax? Think about that for a second. Does that make sense? Has God created you so you can sit back and relax? Because if, if that is the thrust of your entire life, you certainly don't understand God's kingdom agenda. You don't get it. God did not create us to retire. Did you know that? You say, yeah, well, I know some of the older people say, well, yeah, well, you wait. You wait because you're going to retire. Well, all I can say is this, right? This is all I can say. You know, maybe, maybe I have a change in mind. I pray that I won't have a change in mind. But when I look at Scripture, right, from Genesis all the way through Revelation, I never see any of uh, the prophets and the preachers retiring. That they worked, they ministered until the day that they died. If this is true, number one, are you walking in the giftedness in which God has given you in order to serve other people on this earth? And when does God ever tell us to stop serving others? Now, you may not be as mobile as you once were, but you are still to serve others. You are never to retire from the calling of God because the call of God is irrevocable. Tell you. Doesn't make sense that we work all of our life to shop, to retire, and then sit back and relax. God did not create us this way. So let's begin this journey with Genesis chapter 1, verse 26. Genesis 1, verse 26. And the passage says, many of you know this by heart by now, I'm sure. Then God said, let us create man in our image after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God created us with dominion in mind. God created us with dominion, dominion in mind. 
So it's important to note, it's important to understand, uh, listen to this, that God gave image before He gave dominion. God, He gave image before He gave dominion. There is no expectation that anything God calls us to do will result in faithful and obedient living until we realize that we have been made in His image to faithfully and obediently represent Him on earth. How can, in other words, how can you have and operate in true dominion if you're not operate fully within His image? You see? We cannot most effectively do until we first realize that we are. There is representation, and then there is dominion. If we attempt to have dominion ahead of representation, you know what happens, right? Typically, there is an abuse of power and privilege, right? You try to... uh, you try to put your, t- your, your, your title off on someone else, trying to force people to do things because, well, I'm this and I'm that. Well, no, the only thing that you're supposed to be first is being made in the image of God, and then God gives you that dominion to ride along with it. When there is dominion over image, then manipulation and power grabs uh, uh, power grabs, it, it always takes the stage within our relationships. In the unfallen world of Adam and Eve, uh, this was no problem to operate within dominion because uh, initially uh, they were operating with the idea that they were made in God's image and they knew who they were and they knew who they represented. So it's easy, though, to tell someone to take charge when there's no sin to get in the way, right? You tell someone today, we need for you to lead this, and and I need for you to lead that. Uh, Typically, what happens is uh, their leadership gets all skewed and gets all twisted all over the place. And then problems ensue. Why? Because they are more apt to take their dominion without this image quality. They're not concerned with how they're representing Christ. They're only concerned with how much power can I have over you. See, there's a problem with it. So in this unfallen world of Adam and Eve, God was never concerned with them with power grabs, Right? Uh, even though uh, God is omniscient and he knew what was in store for the future. But also inherent, listen to this, inherent in dominion is image at the same time, being made in the image of God. And if you want to know more about the image of God, I tell you, join us on Wednesday nights where we've talked about this uh, at length. But in other words, we cannot fully expect to comply with faithfulness in our work until we first fully comply with being image bearers. This is why uh, just the thought of where you think I'm going with this message is so problematic for some folks, right? Where is he? Where is he going with this? Uh, It may be a revelation for some. It may open the eyes of some. But for other folks, it is just a fact. This is the way that I live, and we applaud you.
You see, some of us may not understand the impact of this command as we live the Christian life, uh, but that still does not make it less true. That image comes before dominion, that you're still supposed to have dominion where you are and where you live. You just don't know it yet. While traveling on the airplane, most of us are familiar with the flight attendants who go up and down the aisles with their carts, right? With their goody carts, right? And they want to give you peanuts, pretzels, right? And soft drinks and so on and so forth. So when my wife and I were on a plane recently, they asked us if we wanted something to eat but you know that if you want some real food and not just, you know, nuts and hard dough, right, that uh, you have to pay for it. So I decided, you know, I decided, I told my wife, you know, we're on vacation. I'm a big spender. I said, get what you want. She's like, is that okay? I'm like, you go ahead, girl. I'll get you a sandwich. Yeah. Oh, good. I She's like, but it, it seemed like it cost a lot of money. I said, I got this. And I'm looking at that menu. I'm seeing $10 and $12 sandwiches. I'm like, oh, my God. She's like, are you sure? I said, you go ahead, girl. I can, girl, I can give you a sandwich. You know, we, we had a long day, and I'm like, okay, you know, go ahead and get it. It was okay, right? So she gets a sandwich. I order a sandwich and uh, uh, on this somewhat long flight. And, uh, you know, so I reach in my wallet to pull out my card. All of them got, you know, these little portable charge slider thingies, right? And, but I pull my card out, and she says, oh, Mr. Spencer? I'm like, yeah. She says, no charge. Thank you for flying. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I looked at Dolores, and I, and, and I lean over to her. Uh, I, uh, her, but I'm talking about Dolores, right? Uh, I lean over to Dolores, and I said, they ain't going to charge us nothing for this. So you think they made a mistake? And I said, so you sure? She's like, yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I'm like, okay. And I looked at Dolores, and Dolores said, oh, the favor of the Lord is upon us. I'm like, praise the Lord. All right? So we had to take a connecting flight. We get on a connecting flight, you know, because we're traveling long distances, you know. You know, and here they come up and down the aisle with, you know, they, you know, throwing pretzels and peanuts all over the place. Everybody can have a pretzel and peanut. But I'm like, Dolores, I'm ready to eat again. I'm like, you want, a, you want another sandwich? She's like, well, I'm not. I said, well, I'm going to get a sandwich. Right? So she gives us sandwiches, right? And what I do again, I pull out my card again. And she says, oh, no, 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 no charge. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. I'm like, well, wait a minute. What's going on here? It seems like every time I pull out this card, all of a sudden, uh, the conversation changes. So we, we, we get on a third flight on the way back, and I, and I tell my wife, I said, I'm about to get me another sandwich. <laughs> well, look, if the Lord provides, <laughs> receive ye from the Lord. But this time I look at the menu and I read the menu really carefully. There's some small print down there. They say, if you possess... Uh, such and such a card uh, that all beverages, and by beverage they're talking about stuff other than pop, soda, and water, right, are on the house. I'm like, oh, and I look at Dolores, I said, well, we got it made because, you know, we got this thing, we got this card, and all I got to do is show the card, and they give us what we want. So here they come, uh, marching down the aisle with their card. And I said, excuse me. 
excuse me, uh, we would like uh, a couple of sandwiches. They said, okay, that'll be $10. This time my wife was sitting in, just in the row in front of us, and, and mine was whatever it was. And I looked it up, and, and, and this time it was a guy. He said, oh, 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 okay. He started doing his thing, his dance. And I'm like, oh, praise the Lord, here we go again. I, and, I'm, and I'm saying to myself, well, I knew there wasn't no charge. And, and, and I look at my wife, I say, you know, money is really no issue for you, you know, really. There's really no problem. I, I got this, right? So my situation didn't change, but my attitude did. Why? Uh, because it was something that I had that it was hiding in plain sight, and I did not know. That time I didn't grumble in my mind at the high prices, but instead I asked with confidence. Because I knew what I wanted, because by now, now I know who I am. So once we realize we are dominion or kingdom people, it doesn't change the fact of our situation or our environment. What changes instead is our attitude. Once you realize that you are a kingdom man or kingdom woman, a kingdom boy or, or girl, you realize that you now have a dominion that you've had all along since accepting Christ, being reconnected with God, but somehow you didn't realize. So now your attitude changed. Sure, the people are still the same. Sure, the resources are still the same. But you have changed and we must learn to walk in that dominion with confidence and in the faith that God has given us. Amen? It's just a fact. So you may not know, or neither do you feel like you have dominion, but once you have it, you have the strength and the confidence that God has wanted you to have all along. You begin to live in a way that expresses the confidence of being of who you should be in Christ Jesus without excuse and without apology. But be warned. Because of this authority given you, given us, God will also hold us accountable. You can't, you can't hear this message and think that God is not going to hold you accountable for this. God now holds you accountable. Every time you hear, God holds you accountable. Because uh, when you uh, finally go to the judgment seat of Christ and He judges you and He's going to judge all of us, believer and unbeliever alike, know that, that's a biblical fact, that He's going to ask you, why didn't you walk in more confidence? Why were you always walking around afraid? I sent preacher after preacher to tell you that you are a kingdom person, that you are a dominion person, but yet you fail to walk in that confidence. God will hold you accountable for your actions or the lack thereof. It's there, but we can't see it because other th things keep getting in the way. It would be like the person, right, who says they can't find their glasses, they're at home, right? And they start running all over the house, room after room, 
turning things upside down. They, number one, you can kind of have sympathy with them because they can't see. That's why they're looking for their glasses, right, in the first place. But they're turning everything upside down. They can't find uh, their glasses. I know people like that. And uh, so, 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 so they look, and they're looking. I can't find my glasses, right? And then you tell them, well, have you looked on your head? You know they're sitting on top of your head, right? Oh, I, I didn't realize that. Dominion might be hiding in plain sight. God says you have it already. In other words, again, remember this, that when we think of, 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 of kingdom, think of dominion. When you think of dominion, think of kingdom. Why? When there is a kingdom or king, we also know there, know there must be a domain or dominion in which they rule. Therefore, when we speak of the kingdom of God, uh, we, by default, speak of the dominion of God as it refers to the entire domain in which the king, our God, rules. I must admit, uh, the word kingdom uh, sounds uh, a bit more palatable uh, than that threatening word of dominion. How are you going to have dominion over someone, over a place? It is just a fact. Because... Why? Scripture says, right? Again, Genesis 1, 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. I don't think you believe it. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion. This is, uh, folks, this is, this is a fact. But as we pray and consider this, it makes sense that God would give dominion to the human race over all the created order throughout his kingdom on earth, that we are co-regents. You are kings and queens all over the place. Did you realize that? It's not just one of those cultural things that some folks say, oh baby, you are my queen, that it is a spiritual fact that you are a queen and that there is a king on God's earth. Therefore, earth is a kingdom in which we are supposed to reign and are held accountable by the Lord. But also, uh, being made in God's image, and this is something I came to a realization before even hearing this message, that we are to mirror and represent him wherever we are. It would be like uh, telling your children to remember that they represent the family when they leave the house. So when you leave the house, little Johnny or little Jane, make sure you don't act a fool, else the people that see you will think you live in a house full of fools. Remember where you came from. Because I don't want anyone thinking that I act like the nonsense that you sometimes act like. If you are a disciple of Jesus Christ, then remember you represent him when you do good or when you do bad. You are representing him. People will look at you and say, I thought, what, what did they say? I thought you were a, they say it. Being made in the image of God means lots of things. But one of the things it also means is that uh, uh, humankind, listen to this, uh, that we also have the ability to communicate with God. Being made in his image also means we have the ability to communicate with the Lord. 
Not only can we hear from him, but we can also communicate his message as well. This is what we sometimes understand with the Godhead in which there is perfect communication between who? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They all are, have a, a perfect relationship with one another. There is no separation. There is separation. There is no separation. There's unity. There's oneness. Uh, they have different ministries. There's no separations. What am I saying? I'm talking about the Godhead, our triune God. Because of the exact representation as an example, the Father knows the Son, and the Son knows the God. John chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. So in other words, uh, if you as a believer are called to work in the place that is replete with sinfulness, then you are called to be God's representative. Where do you work? Where do you work? You know it's a bunch of sinners on your job. You know this. They'd be cheating and stealing and lying and everything else you can imagine. And sometimes you ask yourself, why am I here? I remember uh, being employed on a job one time, and I asked myself that question over and over again. Why am I here? Every morning when I drug myself out of the bed, I asked that question, why am I here? I hate this job. Why am I here? I hate this job. Because I didn't understand the reason that I should have been there in the first place was because I had an assignment for God. But my problem was I was more concerned about me and not even thinking about what God wanted. You see, on many of our jobs, that's the problem that we have with contentment. That's the problem. One of the re well, well, another reason that we want to switch jobs is because of money. Come on, let's be honest. We need more money so we can pay all of our bills, so we can eventually go on vacation and we can go shopping, so we can eventually retire, and then we can just relax and have fun, right? Never considering, maybe God has called us to this place. So that tells us that if you are a person of dominion that God has given you, that when you walk upon a walk to your job and you enter into that place, the question that you must ask, what is it that you're calling me to do today, Lord? How should I represent you in this place today? But we don't ask that, do we? We are called there because God wants us there. You feel like you're stuck. You're not stuck. God doesn't want you to move yet because there's more lives he's trying to change through you. We are not called to succumb uh, to the likeness of the sinfulness that we witness, but instead provide the unbeliever or even the marginal believer with the hope of the Lord through the gospel of Jesus Christ. So when you enter that place, you are there. Know this, you are there because someone needs hope in their life. That's why you're there. You may say to yourself, well, you know what? It seems like I got a lot of people that need hope in my life, in, in their life. God wouldn't send a knucklehead. That's why he sent you. Because you are the strong individual in order to help that person go from a no faith to faith, 
or little faith to stronger faith. You are that person. That's why, that's why you're having so many struggles, because the devil don't, don't, doesn't want you to speak up. And a lot of times what happens on our job, we get to our jobs and we don't want to even talk about, we don't even want to talk about Jesus. Think about that. We don't want to talk about Jesus in the place that Jesus has called us to talk about Jesus. Well, we get all these rules. God is going to take care of you. Ask him for wisdom. So when we are done working for the day or the week, can we rightfully say, thank you, Lord, for allowing me to faithfully represent your interest in this place as your image bearer? And again, I know this sounds challenging for some because, again, I've had to live through this. I know exactly what you're talking about, even though our situations may be different. And again, face it, when we show up to work or school, it's all about me. It's all about us. It's not about God. It's not about representing him well. It's about how we can get the most out of the situation that will benefit us the greatest. All I can say is, I'm going to work today because I'm looking at the next job. What about looking at the person that sits next to you in that cubicle? What about the person that you pass all the time in the elevator that you never speak to? Or that boss that you just, you can't stand that boss or that manager. You can't figure out why is it that we always, you know, bumping heads because what God is saying, the conflict is there because that person is already resisting you talking about Jesus. Spiritually, uh, they can sense that something good is going on about you, so they're coming after you ahead of time. You're thinking, you know, they just don't like me. Can we say God's presence was in our workplace last week because we showed up? Will we be able to say this tomorrow or the rest of the week? Or will we veer off course? But listen to this. Can we honestly say that the work that we did would be something God would have done if he were in our place? If God, if Jesus Christ had your job, would he have taken the same amount of breaks that you took? If Jesus had your job, would he leave early over and over again without anyone noticing? If Jesus had your job, would he shortchange the company because you really didn't put your heart into the work? What would the Lord say about it? Does your work improve humanity in some way, or does it diminish it? Do the products that you make or the services you provide lift up and encourage folks, or do they drag them down again into the gutter they're trying to climb out of? Think about what you do. We must think about all of this as we consider what it means to be image bearers as we work for the glory and the honor of God. Tony Dungy, the first American football coach to win the Super Bowl, said this, and I quote, People look at me and see a calm, cool guy on the sidelines, and I want them to know that my Christian faith affects my coaching and everything I do, end quote. He also said this, quote, Win or lose, this is my prayer, I want to make sure 
that I make God's name great. Is that how you think about your activity on your job or at school? That you live to make God's name great? Because of your dominion, the fullness and the presence of plants and vegetation was delayed until your arrival. Because of your dominion, the fullness and presence of plants and vegetations now, vegetation was delayed until your arrival. Genesis chapter 2, verses 5 and 6. Genesis 2, 5 and 6. When no bush of the field was yet in the land, and no small plants of the field had yet sprung up, the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man uh, to work the ground, verse 6. And a mist was going up from the land and was watering the whole face of the ground. God coordinated the creation and growth of plants and herbs of the field with the presence of mankind, with you being here. God coordinated the presence of plants and herbs of the field with the presence of you. So when you walk outside and you see all the trees and the grass and the herbs and the vegetable plants and so on and so forth, that God created that and that that had to wait until God was ready for you to show up. Did you realize that? <laughs> Scripture doesn't say that it was no other vegetation on earth, but it does say when no bush or plant of the field was yet in the land or the earth, uh, and no small plant of the earth had not yet sprung up, of the field had not yet sprung up. It simply means or to imply that many of the plants and the herbs that they needed mankind in order to flourish and that mankind needed them in order to flourish. So the way God designed the earth was to sustain mankind who was made in his image. Therefore, this earth, this entire globe was set up with the human race in mind and not the other way around. You did not evolve or snake from the water to eventually develop feet and hands and eyes and intellect. No, the snake or the lizard or the gizzard did not, was not made in the image of God. You were made in the image of God. This whole earth was designed for you. You are not a mistake. You are not a mistake. At one point in the history of the earth, this entire globe was being watered from the ground upward. There was no rain. What? We just read it. Verse 6. Genesis chapter 2, verse 6. And the midst was going up from the land and was doing what? There was no rain. So it appears that even though it was not raining, there was a mist of vapor of water rising from the earth to keep the ground moist. Therefore, we must not miss the connection between mankind and rain. There's a connection between us and rain. What? I always thought it was just Mother Nature. There is a connection between you, me, and the rain that falls from the sky. <laughs> God delayed the introduction of rain on earth 
for the creation of the human race as its purpose was to serve us. In other words, without the human race, there was no need for rain. Wow. This would mean there's truly a divine component to rain as it relates to the presence of the human race. Some folks say, well, the only people that really, you know, uh, see some kind of spiritual connection between the weather and, and people are only uh, ancient tribes that live out in Africa or Indians and things like that. Uh, uh, that's because that was something that they have had a revelation over, and now we have a revelation that the rain was something that God delayed until you showed up. It was not an act of Mother Nature. But it was God acting in the spiritual realm. God gave us dominion. And here it is. With dominion comes work. God gave us dominion. And with dominion comes work. Well, I was just thinking that, you know, maybe God was going to make me king or God was going to make me queen and then things were just going to serve me. No, 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 honey pot. No, the bottom line is, is that when God gave you dominion, when God gave you his kingdom mindedness, he gave you that so you can understand that he puts you here also so you can work. What? Again. Genesis 5 and 6, when no bush of the field was yet in the land and no small plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the land, and there was no man to do what? Oh! There was no man or woman, right? There, there were no people to do what? To work. So therefore, if you think that you know what? Work ain't nothing but a curse. Wrong. Your work is a blessing from God. Your job is not a curse, but instead, this is what we get as being dominion people. So if you want to talk about being a dominion person, you better go to work. Amen? And not complain about it. And if you don't have a job, and if you go to school, then your dominion is to do schoolwork. Amen? One of the blessings we have as kingdom people is work. Work is not anything we see as entering to the life of mankind as a curse, but as a gift from God to steward His earth that He has called us to have dominion over. From Genesis 2.5, we see that God had already intended, we see it plainly, that this was, oh, this was before the fall of Genesis chapter 3. One of the uh, jobs that Adam had was to name all the animals. Another job he had was, as we saw, was to till the ground. Let's start it with till the ground, right? It's fascinating that when we look at this passage in two, Genesis 2.5, Again, that God would call Adam to work the ground. God would call Adam to work, in Hebrew, what is called Adamah. God called Adam 
to work the Adama. God called Adam to till the Adama. There is a relationship between us and the ground, and because there's a relationship between us and the ground, there's a relationship between us and work. God designed us to work. When we stop working, God has no use for us, so there's no such thing as retirement. If you retire and do nothing, you're done. You're done. God also called Adam to name all the animals. Genesis. You see this in Genesis as well, right? Uh, that he was to give something and someone a name that implies a certain position of authority within the creative uh, process. Uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 20. Let's go to verse, I didn't read, uh, we read verse 20. If you want to read more context, go back and read it later. Verse 20, uh, the man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heaven and to every beast of the field. Right? So one of his jobs not only was to have this relationship with the ground, but he also had the opportunity to name all the creatures. So not only... Uh, did, God, uh, did God give Adam the call to name all the animals? And God also had a call on Adam's life to also give his honey bear a name as well. Genesis 2.23 Then the man said, Right, since I have named all the animals that exist on the earth, I'm looking at this Adam-like creature next to me that's so fine, so full, so good-looking that she don't have a name. Then the man said, this is at last, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman. Adam gave his woman the title woman. Because she was taken out of man. So women, don't take offense at this, because this is all part of God's creative order. So again, these are more subtle signs of the spiritual dimension that is interwoven in every aspect of existence. The only reason we fail to recognize this is because we fail to recognize God in his relationship to the world and his relationship to us. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. So Adam's first line of work was naming the Adam, animals and then naming his woman, woman. What a great responsibility. How did Adam view his work? Was it monotonous? Was it boring? All right, here's another tall, long-necked creature with spots all on his neck, 
what should I call him? Gee, uh, gee, if I had a friend named Raph, I'd call him, oh, you know what? I'll call him Giraffe, right? You know, okay, all right, here's another slow-moving animal on the, uh, on the ground. He's got a hard shell. He liked to be in the water. He liked to be on the sand and back and forth. His neck sticks in and out and in and out. But what should I call him? Oh, turtle. You know, I'll call him turtle. I mean, after 200 times, it's like, man, I'm tired of this. So was it time-consuming for Adam, or did he understand it as an act of obedience and faithfulness and a work of dominion? So since sin had not entered the picture, yet he simply understood work as an act of obedience, as an act of faithfulness, and as an act of dominion. The question as to whether he felt like going to work never entered his mind. How, well, how can you say that he never felt like going to work? Because sin never entered the picture. He did as God called him to do. So I'm sure many of us would ask ourselves, again, how is this possible? Because Adam knew that he was made in God's image, and he knew that he had dominion, and he knew he had to be obedient to the Lord. How do we view work? Is a calling and a joy or a necessary evil? Let's allow God to minister to us as dominion people, kingdom people. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you again for all that you have accomplished in our life today, Lord God. Some of these things, Lord God, our heads are kind of swirling around back and forth and back and forth, but we want to thank you again nevertheless uh, for uh, bringing your word to us, 